This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and with me, the one, the only, Matt Harrison. Matt, we are now in 2016. Can we say that our show has been running for two years now? Oh, I think we're stretching it a little bit there, son. But uh... That may be stretching, but using the words and using, it seems like it's right. We could say that we've spanned over a period of time. To define it now, I think, would be a bit foolish. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't define it now. We'll, we'll let the annals of history define it. We'll just continue to do our work here. Any highlights from your holiday break, Mike? Um, I got a drone. Stop it. Did you really? I actually got two. Um, you didn't even tell me that. We've talked before. How could you not tell me about a drone? I, I don't know. I, that's unfortunate. I haven't I, I haven't registered it with the uh, who oh, I, FAA. Yeah, whoever I'm supposed to register it with. Don't you have to become like an official pilot now too, or something? Get a license for it or something? <laughs> Here's a fun fact about me: I've had a pilot's hat for the past ten years. It just kind of, a pilot. Yeah, not a hat, man. No, no, a license. No, a hat. You can walk onto oh. a commercial plane and say, "Yes, I am the pilot." <clears throat> as long as you have aviators on as well. <clears throat> no, that's those. Are, that's what cops wear. Oh, it's sorry. also a common misconception. Pilots, they I just don't thought the glasses. I just thought the word aviator meant something, but I guess not. Okay, well, Matt, let's get back to what we're here for, and that's to discuss the headlines. We did talk about four headlines uh, during our holiday sh- holiday show. Now over what, about two weeks ago, feels like longer. But after reading the articles, Matt, I was disappointed um, with two of them because they were so slanted. I think one of them was by a CEO of a company peddling what he was offering and how he was fixing ed tech and the other was a gaming magazine claiming that yes games are the best thing ever i I just i don't know man i don't know that we are respectable journalists but i i just think we have to be a little more diligent don't you yes um i think believe when you first told me that i said oh good the circle of life continues um because it doesn't really surprise me that a ceo is going to pen something very very positive about his company and a gaming magazine is going to claim that games are the best thing ever especially educational games um because if not not a shocker yeah no not at all i'm kind of a sucker i'm a sucker for these top five top ten lists and now i'm like reading these things and going oh this is an interesting perspective only to see that it's by the guy who owns the company trying to make you think that it's a good thing here the here the here the bottom five apps here's the top one app uh, but oh, I'm not the gonna, bottom five. I'm not going like to tell it. you that I made the top one, <clears throat> dog. We might we might be in the running for bottom five ed tech podcasts. I mean, we might. We rank. I think we. High, son. I mean, I'm thinking son. we hired this new guy, <laughs> and he keeps saying "son" all the time, and it's now permeating my life. So it's funny how that works. Yeah. You start talking like the people you work with. All right, Matt. Let's go to our first story. This one is an interesting one. It's a TechCrunch article that talks about how consumerism is changing the landscape of ed tech. The article mentions uh, that in other countries, parent spending on education for their children is significantly higher than it is here in the U.S., at least percentage-wise. In South Korea, parents spend about 20% of their monthly cost to raise a child on education. In India, it's about 7.5%. And in Vietnam, it is a staggering 40%. Um, In the U.S., it's around 1%, Matt. And even those in the highest income brackets are only at about 3%. Uh, the article does claim, however, that Amazon, among others that are getting into the ed tech market, is going to sort of shift American spending, and it's about to explode in terms of personal ed tech spending. Um, 
Lots of interesting material in this one, but I, I did take a little bit of an exception, and probably just because this is going to show that I'm old, of the comment about saying that today's four-year-olds have never seen a CD. Well, I have a two-year-old, and he has seen and actually played with a CD. Not, not playing with it the correct way, of course, but I'm just going to say, come on. It's not to the point of where they're not going to have seen them ever. I don't know. I mean, the United States, you know, we had a little thing called America Online. There are probably more America Online free trial CDs than there are human beings on the planet. So thank you. Yes. I think every time I clean out my office, I think I find more and I'm not really quite sure how. But I love how you said a little thing called America Online. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. The four year olds today have not heard of it, yeah. Matt, except for on those CDs, which they apparently aren't seeing. Which they can. They use as coasters or if you look at any gifts on the internet, some people put them in their glasses and then they shake their head violently forward and then it comes out like, I'll just post a, the thing on there. This is going to be an odd. Yeah. This is already odd, Matt. That sounds something like the deep corners of the internet that we don't need to be talking about. But let's get to the article at hand here. Do you think that commercial ed tech market is about to explode here in the US? I mean, we've... We've talked a lot recently about all these, you know, funding and all these multiple millions of dollars of funding rounds going for these ed tech companies. Is that is that shaping or do you think it's going to shape the actual personal ed tech market in the United States? Um, I think there's going to be probably an uptick um, and it's going to be for a lot of the aforementioned reasons in the article itself. Mobile access, I think, being the largest. However, I would argue as a nature, as a nation, <clears throat> we suffer from a few issues Um which is why we probably don't compare exactly to the same spending amounts that South Korea does, Vietnam, um, and India. I think uh, the first one is we have a massive issues with a massive issue with Americans living paycheck to paycheck. There was a really good article, um, I believe, the past couple of days. Uh, let me pull it up right now. Um, it was actually from today about Americans living paycheck to paycheck. It was uh, presented in Market Watch, um, talking about you know. That 62% of Americans, if there was a $500 emergency, um, that it could put them in a very precarious position. So as far as having extra um, money to be spent on um, outside of school education, um, for whatever reason, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but that informs a lot. Are we speaking like a $500 Xbox One emergency? It could be anything. I mean, anything. anything. Like the article talks about a $500 car repair bill because it's not something you can traditionally just throw on to a credit card or something like depending on where you go. Um, Or if it's a healthcare um, emergency or something like that, it it can pull the wheels off. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I do see that perspective. But I also, when I look at this, think, you know, what – how much is the budget for spending on a child in Vietnam? Like, I, I don't know that number, but I'm going to guess our percent is down simply because our budget for taking care of our children is so much higher based on clothes and based on, you know, probably they have to have a phone. And you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot more spending that goes in place, I think in the United States. And I, I mean, I think that's part of where you're at. Well, with, I, with I, your think, comment. I, I mean, I think if you, you can make that argument, if you were comparing it to India and Vietnam, but South Korea actually has very similar patterns to us when it comes okay. to what things are being spent on. And I also think that the second thing is we do not value education the same way that uh, <clears throat> Asian countries traditionally do, South Korea being probably one of the ones that is very hardcore about education. Um, yeah, no question. We, no, we, have, not, and, right. and we have this America first view, which is it doesn't matter what our education is because we're number one, we're number one. 
I'm sorry. Did you did you leave off the A in America? Yeah, there? America. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's you know if if you really want your kid to have the best education, you know, growing up and understanding how to take care of every aspect of their own education and have a thirst and a hunger for learning more, then you better hope one of the parents is a teacher because parents who are teachers, their kids tend to be more excited about education wholeheartedly. And I'm sure you've noticed that more, like having your own students in the past that their parents were teachers. Maybe this is just anecdotal and I'm pulling things out of thin air. Who knows? No, I think you're right. I mean, I definitely think that... we've we've seen that i don't think that's new information looking at it through the edtech personal edtech world i think it i think it could be a different way to look at it i i just think that i saw a video recently and i'm i'm going to butcher which country this was i don't remember it so i'm just going to say a third world country i think i i believe uh, i'm just not even going to guess cuz i don't want to be wrong here but they had multiple parents arrested for climbing ladders outside of testing buildings to give them answers to the test, to these standardized tests, because not because they want to cheat, but because it means so much to them and to the future of their kids, this education, that they're going to do whatever it takes. Um, We don't have that mentality here. It doesn't, it's almost like that um, taking everything for granted because we do have things so good in this country, even the lower level. I mean, I know there's, there's struggling and there's poverty, but poverty here isn't quite what poverty is in other countries. Um, and you know, low income isn't what low income is in other countries as well. And I think, I think what happens is we just, they kind of, you get sort of callous to education is important. People keep saying it, but people don't really believe that on a day to day level. I think, Overall, oh, and I think that it permeates a lot of the uh, <clears throat> episodes that we've done over the past year. Um, speaking specifically about, um, you know, it's great to say, oh, the education system's failing and stuff like that, but our answers seem to be doing something on larger and larger and larger scales, or using failed deployment models, or buying something because it's cheaper. You know, we know that the iPad exists, and we know that you know, standard high quality Android tablets exist. And I'm sure that this, you know, third party, we've never heard of this company before, does something similar. You know, it's it's taking shortcuts like that and not not actually investing in infrastructure, um, specifically hiring more people who actually know how to deploy, who know how to take care of it, who can <clears throat> adequately, you know, uh, monitor where the product is at all times. I mean, well, Matt, I have good news for you. We have a solution, and Education World for our next article gives it to us. They explain to us that they actually just give us a look into the 2016 National Ed Tech Plan, Matt, and it's a beauty. Um, I'm being a little facetious. I apologize. They detail the five main parts of the plan, learning, teaching, leadership, assessment, and infrastructure, Um, That's enough right there to make me want to take a nap. Um, And the description of those areas doesn't do much to inspire either. I mean, to be fair, these are just broad components of the plan. But it really reminds me of way too many times I've seen plans written in the K-12 universe where it just seemed like people are putting words down that they think people want to read and not really any feeling behind it. And they're thinking long-term like, oh, well, we don't want to get sued if something goes wrong here. So let's just, let's just put this in terms that seem to be okay, but it just, there's not a whole lot of substance in them. Now I haven't 
you know, gotten in the fine parts of this uh, EdTech plan yet, so I'll reserve my full judgment on it. But that's what I've seen too often. Um, one of the surprising uh, pieces that I found in this EdTech plan is it stands against bring your own devices. Um, I know in the district I was working in, there seemed to be like a foregone conclusion that that's where we were headed and that's where we needed to be. And, you know, there was a lot of, obviously there was a lot of people that were fighting against it for multiple reasons. Um, security probably being the main one, but I don't know. I, it, it's strange to me that they're saying don't use any BYOD because that means we have to pay for all of the devices. If we're not having any students bring devices in, if we're going to use devices, that means that the school system has to pay for them. Correct me if I'm wrong with that logic. Well, if you, I mean, I don't know. Did you go into the tech.ed.gov site itself? I did not. Uh, I did so not. They actually talk a lot more, and in, in infrastructure was the one thing. And I think they have some more information in there. Uh, just like the article, it's a bit vague and stuff. <clears throat> um, the BYOD, I actually somewhat agree with their. Um, the way that they sort of tackle it, and it's probably just because I, I see it as, <clears throat> you know, one of the guys I work with, his daughter goes to school in Pinellas County. She, you know, in order for her to go to that school, they made them buy some Microsoft tablet. It wasn't made by Microsoft, but it was whatever company has that right. thing on it. So they went to go buy it, and it cost $250. Probably Lenovo. <laughs> yeah, $250. And, uh, that's too cheap know, for Lenovo. Uh, whatever I, I, I don't know what kind of ones anyway but yes go ahead you know they buy the device they have to then give it to somebody else who then installs all of the software on it and it's only accessible in this one you know type of you know way and you know already one of his daughter's friends has had hers broken and now her parents have to sort of you know pay another 250 dollars to get another one and it just it I can understand their concern in that because you have to look at all socioeconomic levels and maybe certain areas or certain, you know, districts need to do different plans. That's sort of my problem with big wide sweeping ideas like this is it's it's great to have a plan that works for everyone, but it doesn't work for everyone. There- yeah, I mean, that's something that we've we've been talking about, I think, as we've gone along here. A lot of times the the perspective to fix problems isn't a national sweeping one because of all the different circumstances and every school has different circumstances and so for some a BYOD may be a great idea for others it may not uh, for me when I'm when I'm talking about BYOD just to kind of clarify my position on this I'm speaking of you have the option to bring in your own device and therefore, you know, use a program or a operating system, a device that you're more familiar with, with programs that, you know, essentially at this point, Matt, whether it's iOS, whether it's Android, whether it's Windows tablet or some other one that I'm that I'm not saying, um, y- you can do basically the same things. I mean, you know, overall, you're going to be able to sort of create the same type of content that you could with the other tablets. So. At this point, if your project for your students in your classroom is, I need you to create a video or I need you to create a presentation, why do they have to have the specific one that the school is using, right? Like, in other words, let them be comfortable with what they're using. I'm not saying that that would be easy to manage. I don't think that it would be. But where I think it would help is those who cannot afford it, now you can use, you know, a set of 10 for the class. Okay, bring your own device if you don't and if there's a not 
enough, then you share those devices. But if you have your own, then you can use them. And then those people can also have their own that are there. You know, it's just, I, I understand the logistics of it aren't easy, but I'm more thinking in the sense of bring a device to use to accomplish whatever we're doing in class that you're most comfortable with. If you don't have one, now we have a plan maybe where we either have them that we purchase for you or we do a purchase plan with you where if you keep it in good shape and you make X, Y, Z payments throughout the course of the five years or the three years or wherever you're at that school, then you take it home with you. Something like that. I mean, there's got to be a bigger overall strategy than just BYOD bad, don't do it. Well, <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree with that assessment, but that's never how I was. I've never thought as BYOD as being that. Like I look at it from the business perspective of <clears> – <throat> You have an Android phone, you have an Android tablet, you have an iPhone, you have a BlackBerry. We need to do stuff that makes them all work together. Right. And, uh, you know, and that's from a business perspective, that is happening a lot more. You're, you know, you can use whatever kind of phone you want. And there's a lot of management systems, you know, that, that take care of those things. But I just, I guess for me, the issue is more of, are we just saying don't do it because it's complicated? You know, and like that, if that's how it is, then education all we might as well not do because it's way more complicated than bringing your own device, fixing what our problems are in education. Well, I think, you know, from the perspective of bring your own device, I guess <clears throat> having not known your definition of it, how do you define it? And I don't know that the article or either way, <clears throat> the article or this actually does a great job of explaining what their idea of bring your own device is. Yeah, and I think that's probably what bothers me about it more than anything is that a lot of people don't even understand the deeper issues within ed tech in terms of devices, in terms of device management, you know, rolling out that type of stuff. I just don't I don't know that a platitude, if that's the right word from, you know, a higher level telling you how to do or not do things is a good idea. Like it just seems like, but I, I don't know that the answer is having each school decide either, because I don't know that that's feasible in terms of infrastructure. I, I just, I just don't feel like the answer is telling people that's a bad idea to do that. And then not, you know, again, if they're in a situation where they could and should, why should they feel like it's a bad idea? Yeah. I don't know. I know it's all, it's really just all generalities and talking and things that really could could be, you know, argued one way or the other for a long period of time, but to me if you're going to give guidelines or national ed tech plan, to me it should be more of a guidance in terms of letting people accomplish things and how they can do it or things they should be trying to accomplish, not necessarily this is how you do it. You know, just give us a the goal is to have, you know, X percent of our classrooms creating content with devices by this time. Now, how are you going to accomplish that? You get to decide. I don't know. I guess that that's simplistic, but that's kind of how I feel about well, it. Well, looking through the uh, tech.ed.gov, it seems that they define it as uh, they they have both bring your own device and bring your own tech, which seems to be maybe where you and I were sort of looking at it differently. Um, I find that their first argument about economic disparity, I think that's an important one, but I don't think it should you know, necessarily dissuade any one school or school district from wanting to do it. 
instructional burden. I think that they just need to have, you know, really good systems in place that ensure that they're able to shut down um, activity that could be burdensome. And in certain districts, I'm sure that's easier than others. The last one, privacy and security, that is absolutely 100% like a big problem. Yeah, well, here's the problem with that in terms of, you know, what I've seen in, in K-12 world. Students until this year, and even this year for that matter, in the district I was at, were able to still get on the Wi-Fi with their personal devices. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the security wasn't there before. So, to me, well, at least if you have a plan for that's... what BYOD is, then you can do go there. You know what I mean? But I guess, I guess my perspective is coming from what I feel like was a pretty failed situation. So, it may not be fair to be putting the same paradigm on others. Well, privacy and security inside of a high school, I think, is absolutely 100% bananas anyway. I, I just – Correct. Like, yeah. I, I look at, like, the public, you know, quote-unquote public systems that they have um, – you know, I remember you and I having conversations, and the reason why they don't use certain types of uh, programs is because the information is stored into the cloud and stuff like that, and they're worried about privacy of students. If they if they can't have it on their own server, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and there's some and there's some you know programs and apps that just aren't set up to do that. Yeah, so. and having something, you know, let's say that you, and again, all of this is hypothetical, and it's you know, circumstantial, you know, if you tell a student, Hey, I want you to create a video and they decide to use Periscope or Vine, you know, all of a sudden you're all, all of a sudden there's videos that exist in the cloud, that scary place that nobody understands. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think that it's, again, I, I thought the article was okay. I mean, you know, it talked about all these different things and, you know, all of that. I, I don't think that the full pages of infrastructure and all of the different things actually do a whole lot better. I mean, we're talking about BYOD because in our minds, that's actually a big thing. And this is, um, if you were to not parse it out based on those three sections in just a paragraph, that's all they yeah, do. Just, to a small, so, just a small part. You know, yeah, no, You and I are having be... a larger discussion about it. So, Right. Well, and I think we'll just, you know, because we're going on a bit here, I think we'll end this and, and I'll just say that at the end of the day, in terms of, you know, ed tech in schools and, and plans and all that kind of stuff, we really, really, really need to make sure that this is being done for the, the best interests of the students. Um, you know, we're so scared of so many things, but I don't know why we're afraid. I don't know why. What we do when we're afraid and we don't let the, the children be exposed to these things, we don't let them use Vine or we don't let them use other things because we're scared of what might happen and what might occur. They're still doing it. They're still using it, but we're not teaching them how to be responsible. You know, there's so many teachable moments that are lost because we just simply don't allow our students to explore and to do different things because we're scared of the one or two who might do something ridiculous. Well, guess what? Those one or two are going to do something ridiculous no matter what venue they're in. Just because they don't, it's not on a cloud somewhere. It might be in the classroom where they're cussing somebody out and calling them this and that and the other thing. I mean, society is the way it is. And I, one of my um, coworkers, current coworkers, is, he, he gave me a really awesome perspective about this as I'm raising my son. He said, you know, when when people act like morons and when people cuss and do that stuff in front of your son, he's like, you can get 
ticked off about it and you can go after that person and say stuff to him. But the better method is talk to your son, make it a teachable moment. Say, listen, do you see how people reacting to this guy? He is, this is not socially acceptable behavior. He's upsetting people. Look at all the people around him. You don't want to be like that guy, right? We're, we're focusing on the wrong area. We're, we're focusing on that idiot guy cussing in the stands and we're, we're basing things off that guy rather than using what that person does to ensure other people understand the, the best way to behave. I mean, and I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but that's what came to my head. So no, that's a great analogy. And I think that that's <clears throat> part of the fear. And <clears throat> it's why uh, if, you, if I were to tell you every single day I use a private messaging app and <clears throat> I were a student in high school, there would be no there would be no thought that I was doing anything positive with it. Correct. You know, it would automatically turn to, you know, the most deviant possible things that are on earth and things like that because that's what everybody's fear is and that's what comes first into people's minds. Instead of, you know, being, you know, a student who is respectable or anything like that or trying to take it at face value when I tell you that I'm not doing anything incorrect with it, uh, you just all of a sudden decide that it's the wrong thing to be doing. And then you run full force in that direction and we don't have a dialogue about maybe this is the reason why the teacher has an issue with that. Or it's it's I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of teachable moments are lost and they're mm-hmm. lost for good because you know, as as we also continue to cut down the amount of teachers that are in the classroom and amount of people that are involved in everyday education and you know we limited interactions that students are going to have with teachers and if a teacher has a really bad reaction then they're never going to want to have an actual relationship with them and learn something learning you know i think is two way street and there's a lot of teachers i grew up with that i could have conversations with not because i thought that they were friends of mine or anything like that but because they had interesting perspectives and interesting things that they lived through and now you know everything's so guttural it's so reactive that if my kid at, at in third grade got yelled at, is my child more likely to talk to teachers or is my child more likely to then, you know, sort of have the same reaction that teachers do to have different types of technology? Is my, te- is my child then going to avoid teachers because she had a bad experience with it just as teachers have a bad experience with, you know, you know, Snapchat or something like that, or they heard somebody use Snapchat one time badly and it's just automatically everything's bad. You know, there's yeah, no dialogue I, anymore. No, and I think, I mean, and just to just to try to sum that, to me, it's we're missing, like you said, we're missing so many opportunities that are teachable moments where instead of saying to kids, hey, some people use that for this, but that's not a responsible way to do things and here's why. Here's how it should, here's one of the ways, how are you using it? How can it be used? Rather than, oh yeah, that's bad. People just send naked pictures of themselves to each other. You know, and it's not the case for these things. But what happens when you say that is the students know that's not true because they're actually using it. So then you become, your your credibility is gone. So now how are you going to tell them how they should be acting online and how they should be acting in these apps when you just prove to them that you have no idea what's going on. And the craziest part about that is the teachers that I've worked with and known, they know it, but they say it because they think it's going to stop people from using it. Like I I just, 
it's it's the same to me. And again, I we know we're going on long here, but um, to me, it's akin to alcohol in this country. It's this dirty little secret that we always want to act like when we're teachers and we're respectable adults that they pe- people should you know you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't drink. It's bad, it's bad. But then they see people drinking, they see you drinking, they know that that's what happens. So when they get the opportunity, no one has helped them understand the best way to do it or what's, you know, how to manage it and control it. So they go eight bananas, they go crazy. And they, you know, we have alcohol poisoning deaths and everything else. And, you know, this whole college lifestyle and even high school where these kids drink so much. And it's like, I'm not saying that if you were responsible and kind of were upfront with them about the reality of it, that there wouldn't be any of that, but I think it would be diminished. And I, and I feel like this is all the same, the way that we deal with kids and students and trying to give them this feeling that, Oh, that's really bad. You can't do that. That's bad. Oh, if you do that, that's bad. Rather than, rather than saying, Hey, people do this. If you're going to use this, here's how to be responsible with it. And I I just think overall in life that we fail. um, And I don't know if that's as a, you know, as a world or if it's just as a country and a society here, but to me, that's the thing. And, and I think we'll end it with that, Matt. I appreciate it. I know I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully, we still have at least one or two people still listening after all that talk. But if you do want more information about these stories and the link, and you can actually go and read the EdTech plan yourself if you have not done that, just go to edtechweeklyshow.com. The show notes will be up there and the links. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at 4TechTeachers, the number 4TechTeachers. I, I haven't been on there for about two weeks now. I took a break from that too, but I'll be back with that soon. Um, email the show, let us know, uh, things you want to talk about edtechweekly at gmail.com. Also a voicemail 30592tech20592tech2. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we have had one and we played it. We'll take the next one and Matt will sing a jingle for you. And don't forget edtechweekly.reddit.com. Um, I post the links there. Feel free to get in there, post the link, resource, comment, interact with the edtech community. It's building slowly, but surely, but we'll keep working on it. And Matthew, it's been a big, long show. A lot of, um, I don't know if it's thoughtful discussion, but a lot of discussion. What do you want to leave with the good people? They, they've been waiting through all this just to hear your words of wisdom and your happiness. What do you have for them? Uh, what I want to do is actually change it up a little bit. Okay. I would like That's everybody dangerous. who's a listener, um, if you're familiar at all what's going on with uh, uh, S- uh Man, I totally are you, lost my ECS are you right familiar, now. If you're are you not, familiar with what's going on? I've been watching it this whole week. Um, okay, go ahead. What's going on with CES? Um, okay. Go ahead. Go into our subreddit and post into it um, your favorite things from CES and then talk about its perspective that you have and how it can be used for tech education. Well, Matt, um, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to sort of do it this week, but I thought in the middle of I, – I think CES is still going on. And um, what I want to do maybe next week and we can do our special CES show and we'll talk about some of the new things. We'll, we'll maybe do uh, one thing each that we think is cool that maybe doesn't have anything to do with education, if, if so. And then we'll talk about some other things that impact education. And if the people listen to Matt, which I know they will, and get on – where are they supposed to go again? Reddit. Reddit. Edtechweekly.reddit.com. No. Feel Reddit. free to email. Whatever. Go there. Post links. Res- and, and post links about what's going on at CES and, like he said, ways that it kind of impacts education. And we'll definitely talk about it and we'll give you a mention in the show. Um, you could get that through email too if you want, edtechweekly at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much, Matt, for coming again. It's It's been a two-week break. We're back at it again. Episode 28 in the new year. Our second straight year of podcasts, Matt. It's unbelievable, even though it's not really that long. But. Very lenient with that. Well, it's it's the words. It's the, it's the language. It's words. And they mean that. So I think it's okay. Up with hope, down with dope. All right. We'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Later. Tell Meredith to get me my notes. I want my notes. <laughs>